0: Thank you very much. Please, sit down. Today, I'm very honored to host the President of Poland, friend of mine, President Duda. And Mrs. Duda, thank you very much for being here. Great honor. It's lovely to have you at the White House. We spent some time in the Oval Office, and we accomplished a lot. Melania and I are deeply grateful for the incredible welcome the President and Mrs. Duda gave us in Warsaw, Poland last year. It was a very exceptional day, extraordinary. It's wonderful to have them both with us in Washington today. Thank you very much, Mr. President. During my visit last summer, I had the privilege to stand before the monument to the Warsaw Uprising and address the people of Poland about our shared commitment to defending our heritage and our civilization. It was an experience I will always treasure and I will never, ever forget. Not far from where we stand today, another monument in another square, the statue of General Kosciuszko in Lafayette Park reminds us that the bonds between our people Go all the way back to America's Revolutionary War. This year, the United States and Poland are celebrating 100 years of Poland regaining its independence and nearly 100 years of U.S. Polish diplomatic ties. It's a long time. I'm thrilled to say that the alliance between our nations has never been stronger, with you and I at the helm. Do you agree with that? Thank you, Mr. President. he said yes. In our discussions this afternoon, President Duda and I agreed to bolster our robust defense ties. We will enhance cooperation in military relations, intelligence, missile defense, technology, and training. I'm proud to report that Poland has recently purchased a state-of-the-art Patriot missile system, which is a great system. We make the greatest military equipment by far anywhere in the world and it's made right here in the USA. We are grateful for Poland's leadership on defense spending and burden-sharing in NATO. I want to commend Poland for meeting its NATO defense spending obligations, and I am glad that it plans to increase spending beyond the 2 percent minimum obligation. Thank you very much for that. I'd like to share my gratitude to the people of Poland for their contributions to NATO's resolute support mission in Afghanistan and the coalition to defeat ISIS. We've made tremendous progress with respect to the defeat of ISIS, as you've seen. We also understand that you can't have national security without border security. Both Poland and the United States understand that strong nations must have very strong borders. The President and I, likewise, are exploring opportunities to advance energy security. The United States and Poland are deeply committed to energy diversity all across Europe. No nation should be dependent upon a single foreign supplier of energy. Poland has worked tirelessly to increase energy independence nationally and across Central Europe. It is constructing a new pipeline, the highest technology, from Norway to Poland, and it recently built a liquefied natural gas import facility. Last year, the United States was proud to send its first export of LNG to Poland. And soon, our nations will launch a high-level diplomatic exchange on energy security. And, Mr. President, we are now, as of a few months ago, the largest producer of energy in the world. So that was That's a big statement. President Dude. I also uh, just want to uh, talk to you about the Three Seas Summit, where central European leaders were working hard to increase energy market access, reduce energy trade barriers, which is something we have to get done with respect to the European Union. The trade barriers, they make it very difficult for the United States and to strengthen energy independence. The United States firmly supports these goals, and we are eager to expand commercial ties all across the region of Europe. In our meeting today, the President and I discussed our bilateral economic relationship at length. Poland has experienced more than a quarter of a century of uninterrupted economic growth, which is a very big statement. Very few can say that. And we look forward to further enhancing trade, investment, and commerce between our two great nations. My administration is committed to realizing a future of prosperity and opportunity for all Americans. This month, we celebrated the highest employment level in U.S. history. We are right now employing more people. We have more workers in the United States than at any time ever in U.S. history. I look forward to partnering with President Duda as we grow our economies together. Mr. President, thank you for joining me today. Poland has chosen its place among the free and independent nations of the world, and is a loyal ally and strategic partner of the United States, and we greatly appreciate that. We welcome the next 100 years of friendship between our two nations. Mr. President, thank you very much. Thank
1: you. Your Excellency,
2: distinguished Mr. President, distinguished ladies and gentlemen. I am delighted that in this year, so important to Poland, the year of Poland regaining its independence we celebrate our 100th anniversary of it, I'm able to be hosted here, uh, that I'm at the seat of the President of the United States at the White House at Washington. And also from this perspective, from the perspective of the centennial of Poland regaining its independence, this fact is of huge importance for Poles, both those living in Poland and those living abroad, especially the 10 million Poles living in the United States. This is of huge symbolic importance. One reason for that is that uh, the matter of Polish independence was one of the the important points of the policy of the U.S. President Wilson.
1: It was precisely President Wilson before 1918,
2: he was the one who put Polish independence independence on his agenda, on the agenda of his policy. policy That that happened, among others, thanks to a great Polish politician, a composer and musician Ignacy Jan Paderewski, but it is a fact that Poles
1: experienced back then a lot of good from the United States and from the President of the United States. Because there are no other words to describe the fact that that great state
2: indicated to Poland and defined Poland as the country who should be reinstated back on the map of Europe and on the map of the world. And it was reinstated on that map 100 years ago in 1918. And I'm absolutely delighted that today, as Polish President, I can be here at Washington, sit at the same table with the President of the United States and sign an agreement with which is deepening our strategic partnership and which is renewing that strategic partnership i'm talking here about the agreement on the strategic partnership such agreement was signed in 2008 between our countries back then it was signed by the ministers of foreign affairs and today this renewed version the version which has been updated because a lot has changed over the 10 years this renewed version of the strategic partnership was signed personally by myself and President Donald Trump. And I would like to express my deep gratitude to you, Mr. President, for that fact. This agreement indicates the most important aspects of our cooperation and our friendship. It also sets new paths for the future,
1: the paths of tightening our defense cooperation, military cooperation. Tightening our cooperation in the
2: area of security and energy business. Tightening our cooperation in the
1: broadly understood sphere of business. Also, in the aspect of the
2: already mentioned cooperation as part of the three Seas initiative, to which Mr. President has just alluded. I came here to Washington right from the summit of the three Seas initiative, the first business forum organized as part of the three C's initiative. The United States was present there as the partner of the three Seas. And thank you, Mr. President, for that. that. Thank you for posting your representatives to that meeting. And all the leaders who held their speeches there said in a very clear way about the need and hope for cooperation with the United States of America regarding the renewal and building of a new infrastructure, road infrastructure, railway infrastructure, energy infrastructure, and both concerning electricity and the transmission of gas in Central Europe along the north-south axis. I'm referring here to the area between the Baltic States through Poland, the Czech Republic, Slovakia,
1: Hungary, Hungary, Bulgaria, Romania, Romania, all the way down to the Black Sea, uh, and uh, then through Croatia and Slovenia to to the Adriatic Sea. This This is is the space space in which we 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 want to to cooperate. This is the space space in which we 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 want to develop. Our
2: cooperation with the United United States is of key importance in this respect. Also, as far as as providing energy security is concerned, Today today we talked at length about this with Mr. President. We also discussed threats to energy security in Europe to the possible diversification of supplies. Without any doubt, such a huge biggest threat right now is posed by the construction of Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline. We discussed at length about this with Mr. President. I presented him the situation as it is. Unfortunately, we have to be clear and say that both from the German side and from the Russian side, this construction has already been started. There are still some formalities going on connected with the laying of the pipes at the bottom of the Baltic Sea. However, this investment, without any doubt, threatens energy stability of Europe, and without any doubt, it also threatens Polish energy security because it is a threat. There is a threat of Russian energy domination, especially when Russia mentions that it's going to build more pipelines, Nord Stream 3, Nord Stream 4. This threat of absolute Russian domination in Europe in terms of gas deliveries is obvious. What are the results of such a domination? Ladies and gentlemen, we were able to see that ourselves a couple of years ago in Ukraine, Uh, Interruption of supplies, of course, it had nothing to do with economic factors, it was connected only and exclusively with a political blackmail, was a fact.
1: And it is obvious that today we are making efforts and we are going to go to any lengths to protect ourselves from that. That is why we decided to construct an LNG terminal. That is why we also
2: decided to
1: receive the LNG gas from the United States. I'm really glad
2: that we have concluded such contracts. I'm glad that American companies are right now delivering LNG to Poland. And this precisely is a very important element of diversification of gas supplies to our country. And I firmly believe that thanks to the LNG Gas Terminal, thanks to expanding its capacities as far as the annual quantities of gas are concerned, we are not only going to realize and safeguard our own energy needs, but I also hope that we'll be able to transmit gas further to our neighbors now, through the development of the 3 initiative area, through the construction of interconnectors. These issues were already well raised by us today Uh, during our talks with Mr. President. And last but not least, opening up to business, we would like to invite American business to Poland. There are better and better investment possibilities. Poland is experiencing a very dynamic growth. Of course, there are companies uh, from the United States which have been present in the the Polish market for many, many years, like General Electric, which right now is implementing a huge investment concerning energy sector in Poland, conventional energy, uh, such as construction. Of the to a uh, plant, that is a huge contract amounting um, to almost two billion dollars. These are the huge projects which are all being realized in Poland. But we want to invite to Poland all business people, those with, who have got huge economic projects here and who have got huge possibilities of investment. But we would also like to invite a smaller ones. Poland is a big European country. I believe it is an interesting partner, where the United States and the U.S. business is very much welcome. And I want to. Sure you, ladies and gentlemen, about that. There is also a perspective of developing uh, your activity through Poland to include the three Seas countries. And this is something that we have been working on as a part of the three Seas initiative. We want to ensure also the communication possibilities and we also want to increase the opportunities for economic cooperation. We want also.
1: Business, business partners from the U.S. to, to join our project. There are going to be a lot of
2: communication, uh, traffic-related investments in our part of Europe. We would like to invite American businesses to come because I believe that this opens up an opportunity for making <laughs> joint business. And, and ladies and gentlemen, all of that is connected, of course, with the issue of uh, military security.
1: I'm hugely delighted with the presence of U.S. Um, Armed Forces in the um, Polish territory. Um, satisfied I'm
2: deeply satisfied with the decisions that were taken and by Warsaw NATO Summit in 2016, where the presence of uh, the um, military forces of NATO what in Poland was guaranteed. I'm also happy that we have in Poland American soldiers as part of our bilateral agreements. But I would like to invite you, Mr. President, to post more American troops to Poland. We believe that the presence of the United States is a guarantor of security in our part of Europe. We, ourselves, want to invest further. We want to modernize Polish armed forces. Uh, Mr. President, um, Trump mentioned uh, the so-called Wisla air defense system uh, that includes the purchase of uh, We are implementing the largest military investment so far, as far as the Polish armed forces are concerned, in the last 30 years. We want to implement more projects. We want to buy more equipment. We also want to cooperate in the area of research and development as regards military technology. And I'm convinced that this cooperation between Poland and the United States will go on smoothly. I hope that Mr. President will make a decision to uh, deploy to Poland more U.S. Minutes, uh, together uh, with equipment. Ladies and gentlemen, I was smiling when talking to Mr. President, uh, I said that I would very much like uh, for us to set up a permanent American basis in Poland, which we would call Fort Trump. And I firmly believe that this is possible. I am convinced that such a decision lies both in the Polish interest as well as in the interest of the United States. Poland is an attractive country, and first and foremost, it's got a very important strategic location in Europe. And I'm convinced that for the interest of the United States, States. also pertaining to the security of the United States States itself, the presence of the U.S. US armed forces in our country is important also to protect American interests. Mr. President, once again, thank you very much for this meeting. Thank you once again for for this joint declaration that that we're able to sign today. Thank you uh, for also adding this new splendor to the centennial of Poland regaining its independence and also to the 10th anniversary of our strategic partnership.
3: Thank you.
0: A tremendous amount of LNG will be exported to Poland. Uh, we're giving them a pretty good price, but they're buying a lot of it, and that's going to be great. Uh, I do want to say that um, while we're together, tremendous effort and bravery is being shown in North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, and the area that was so horribly hit by Hurricane Florence. I, I just. Got some clips of some of the things that the Coast Guard is doing and getting people to safety in horrible, horrible conditions. And I want to just uh, salute all of the people that are working so hard, the first responders, law enforcement, the military, FEMA. Uh, The job they're doing is incredible. It's incredible. So I just want to thank them very much. And I think what we'll do is we'll take our first question from Emerald Robinson of One American News. Emerald.
4: Thank you, Mr. President. So, news today of a plane, a Russian plane shot down over Syria. Russia is assigning the blame to Israel, even though it was accidentally shot down by Syrian forces. Clearly things are heating up. There's concerns by many Americans, most Americans, that we might be involved in a war in Syria soon. You had hoped to bring troops home, but clearly things are changing. What do you tell American people today about a possibility of war in Syria?
0: Well, I just heard about uh, the incident Uh, you have mentioned, Emerald, and uh, it sounds to me and it seems to me just like uh, based on a review of the facts, that Syria shot down a Russian plane. And I understand about 14 people were killed, at least. And that's a very sad thing, but uh, that's what happens. But uh, Syria, according to early reports, that's subject to change, but that Syria shot down a Russian plane. Uh, So that's not a good situation. Uh, We have done a tremendous job in Syria and in that region eradicating ISIS, which is why we're there. And we're very close to being finished with that job, and then we're going to make a determination as to what we're going to do. But we have eradicated ISIS in a very large area of the Middle East. These are people that will not be coming here, because they're not around any longer. So we've done, uh, in a very short period of time, our Vice President is here, Mike Pence. Our great Secretary of State, who really thank you very much for the great job you're doing, Mike Pompeo. And we've been working very hard on this, and uh They've done an incredible job over there, but we'll make a decision fairly quickly. Thank you very much. Would you have a question for the president?
4: Certainly. Thank you, President Duda. Uh, Clearly, you said you asked President Trump if he would consider a permanent base in Poland, and, of course, that also relates to Russia. What would you say, how did the president respond to your position to have a permanent base uh, from America in Poland? And then also, do you currently have concerns over the U.S.? Russia
1: relationship
2: well of course uh, of course I told mr. president about all the aspects uh, connected with uh, the permanent presence of the US Armed Forces in Poland but first and foremost I assured mr. president of one thing first and foremost ladies and gentlemen we cannot say that if there are permanent bases of the u.s armed forces in poland we will see a deterioration of security because that will lead to an increased russian activity and an increased militarization of this part of europe by russia i want to say it clearly ladies and gentlemen a very strong militarization of uh, for instance uh, Kaliningrad oblast has taken place for more than 10 years now. It is the reality that we live in today. As far as an aggressive Russian behavior is concerned, as far as increased military activities concerned, including increasing of the militarization, Russia has been conducting such activities in a systematic way. And for the first time, we're able to see that in a materialized way in Georgia in 2008, when the then President of Poland, Professor Lech Kaczynski, took other European leaders, and they went to Tbilisi to stop Russian tanks, which were about to attack the capital of Georgia. And from that moment, that military expansion has been developing. It's another lag was the attack on Ukraine. And today we can see an illegal annexation of Crimea. Today we are witnessing constant violation of international law in the Lugansk and Donetsk oblasts. So these are today political and military facts of Europe. And the presence of the United States is uh, only providing a guarantee of security and uh, a possibility to defend. Because let me re- reiterate again, it is only about the guarantee of security and defense of our part of Europe, that is the free world. This is the most crucial issue right now from our perspective, from the perspective of Central and Eastern European countries. and we are speaking in one voice on this one, generally. That is why we wanted to ensure the presence of the United States Armed Forces, and also we wanted to have the presence of NATO forces in our part of Europe as well. of course, Mr. President and his staff, his advisors, and also the Pentagon staff have to consider all these issues, but there is a whole range of arguments which are in favor of the fact that the presence of the US Armed Forces in this area is absolutely justified justified today. That is due to the protection of the interests of the United States as well. So I'm absolutely convinced of this one. Because today, unfortunately, we are seeing international law being violated. Today, we are seeing aggressive behaviors. And I am convinced that there is a no a more effective method of preventing a war than a decisive stance demonstrating that we are ready any moment to repel a possible attack. And a presence also means deterrence at the same time. I am convinced that when we are when we have a strong military presence in this part of Europe where there is a potential threat, then there will be no war happening ever.
0: Doubt that The President also said, and he said it publicly, that he would pay the United States, meaning Poland would be paying billions of dollars for a base. And we're looking at that more and more from the standpoint of defending really wealthy countries and not being reimbursed, paid, It's one thing when we defend countries that can't defend themselves, and they're great people and we should help them. We don't expect anything for that. But when we're defending immensely wealthy countries and they're not paying for the defense to the United States, they're only taking advantage of us. And we are in discussions with numerous countries, all of whom you know, about uh, payment. Payment. And we get along with them very well, but it's not fair. That includes NATO. Uh, As you know, I got $44 billion additional last year, where they paid an additional. You can speak to um, Secretary General Stoltenberg, who is the head of NATO, and uh, he said he's never seen anything like it. And this year, we did even better. But uh, when a country is very wealthy, and when the United States has been protecting them for many years at tremendous cost, cost like nobody in this room would believe, It's time that they help with, we call it, burden-sharing, and they will do that. But uh, the President offered us much more than $2 billion to do this, and so we're looking at it. We're looking at it from the standpoint of, number one, military protection for both countries, and also uh, cost, a term you don't hear too often And you haven't heard too often over the last 25 years, but that's the way it has to be. Thank you very much. Uh, Would you like to have a question, please?
4: Marzena
2: Kozłowska, Polish Press Agency. I've got a question to President Trump. Do you share the conviction which we have just heard a minute ago, expressed by President Duda, uh, concerning the threat which is posed to the region, but not only to the region, by Russia? And do you also share the view that uh, permanent American bases in Poland are justified not only uh, due to the security of the countries in our region, but also due to the security of the United States?
0: A very aggressive situation. Uh, I think uh, Russia has acted aggressively. Um, They respect force. They respect strength, as anyone does. And we have the greatest strength in the world, especially now. We were being depleted under the last administration. We had planes that were old and tired and didn't fly in some cases. They were getting used parts. This is the United States. It doesn't happen. We make the greatest planes in the world and missiles in the world. And uh, we have enhanced, to put it mildly, our military. It's literally being rebuilt, as we speak, with literally hundreds and hundreds of planes and missiles and everything that you can imagine. They never had it so good, because I got, in Congress, $700 billion this year, $716 billion last year. That's far more than they ever anticipated. I viewed it two ways. Number one, military, because it's always more important than anything else, including jobs. But number two is jobs. We make everything here. So it's uh, hundreds of thousands of jobs to make, for us, the best military in the world. And Russia respects that. They respect that. So uh, I I am with the President. I feel that he's right. And I feel that, look, you look at the history of Poland and Russia. That's a long and very complicated history, so certainly has a right to feel that way. Okay?
2: And a question to President Dudam: After the meeting that you have had today at the White House, do you have the feeling that the probability that Polish expectations concerning present, uh, permanent American presence in our country are closer to being implemented? Uh, are they going to be a fact? Ladies and gentlemen, today myself and Mr. President um, had a tete a tete meeting, a private meeting, and then we met also with our staff. We had uh, long conversations, very honest discussions, and uh, very strong at certain points as well, in terms of uh, diagnosis of the situation in the area of this military security and energy security alike, and I am convinced that all of us are going to draw appropriate conclusions from these discussions because, as I said, both sides presented their positions in many, absolutely many elements. Uh, they are concurrent as far as the assessment of the situation currently is, what kind of steps need to be taken in order to protect both the issue of security and the issue of interests. These are business-related issues. I am convinced that
1: ladies and gentlemen you are going to see the results of both our meetings today and of the
2: declaration that we have signed together with mr president of course we are talking about long-term processes so I'm sure that you are going to see how this is going to be filled with content and you will see concrete facts that will appear on the maps and also in agreements and in purchases that are going to be realized
5: Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, Two questions for you, one on Judge Kavanaugh and also one on trade. On Judge Kavanaugh, yesterday you said, we want to go through a full process. You said, we want to make sure everything is perfect, everything is just right. To that end, what would be the problem with the FBI reopening their background investigation into Judge Kavanaugh? Would you support such a thing?
0: It wouldn't bother me other than The FBI, John, said that they really don't do that. That's not what they do. And now, they have done supposedly six background checks over the years, as Judge Kavanaugh has gone beautifully up a ladder. He's an incredible individual, great intellect, great judge, impeccable history in every way, in every way. I feel so badly for him that he's going through this, to be honest with you. I feel so badly for him. This is not a man that deserves this. This should have been brought to the fore. It should have been brought up long ago. And that's what you have hearings for. You don't wait till the hearing is over and then all of a sudden bring it up. When Senator Feinstein sat with Judge Kavanaugh for a long period of time, a long, long meeting, she had this letter, why didn't she bring it up? Why didn't she bring it up then? Why didn't the Democrats bring it up then? Because they obstruct and because they resist. That's the name of their campaign against me. They just resist and they just obstruct. And frankly, I think they're lousy on policy. And in many ways, they're lousy politicians. But they're very good on obstruction. And it's a shame because this is a great gentleman. With all of that, I feel that the Republicans, and I can speak for myself, we should go through a process, because there shouldn't even be a little doubt. There shouldn't be a doubt. Again, they knew what they were doing. They should have done this a long time ago, three months ago, not now. But they did it now. So I don't want to play into their hands. Hopefully, the woman will come forward, state her case. He will state his case before representatives of the United States Senate, and then they will vote. They will look at his career. They will look at what she had to say from 36 years ago, and we will see what happens. But uh, I just think uh, he is at a level that we rarely see, not only in government, anywhere in life. and. Honestly, I feel terribly for him, for his wife, who is an incredible, lovely woman, and for his beautiful young daughters. I feel terribly for them.
5: On trade, on trade, Mr. President, uh, you announced new trade tariffs against China. Uh, trade tariffs are a very important part of your economic and trade policy. In your first year in office, the U.S. trade deficit increased by 12%. And last month, we saw the trade deficit increase to, uh, I believe it was, $72 billion. So my question to you is, is your trade tariffs policy working?
0: Well, we just started. Uh, We didn't do anything with respect to China, because we wanted to have the benefit of China having to do with North Korea. And they have been helpful. I hope they're still helpful. There's a question about that. Uh, But it got to a point where the numbers were too big. This should have been done for the last 20 years. If you look at the WTO, the World Trade Organization, that's when China really happened, economically. That's — it was like a rocket ship, because they took advantage of the rules of the WTO. And whoever was standing at this podium, in this incredible White House, in the Oval Office, they should have done something about this long ago. Uh, Over the last number of years, China has taken out of this country $500 billion and more — a year. $500 billion, that would go a long way for Poland, wouldn't it? You could Rebuild your whole country. And that's what China did. They rebuilt their country with tremendous amounts of money pouring out of the United States. And I've changed that around. And if you look at what's going on, our market is going up like a rocket ship. I don't want their market to go down, but their market is down 32 percent in three months because we can't let them do anymore what they've done. And uh, I watch trade deficits because, to me, deficits are very important. They're not everything, and they're not exact. Sometimes you can have, an, you know, a deficit, and that's not such a bad thing. But when you have $375 billion in trade deficits and then many billions of dollars in other liabilities of all different types, you have to do something about it. We are the piggy bank to the world. We've been ripped off by China. We've been ripped off by, excuse me, Mr. President, the European Union, of which you're a part of. (laughs) We've been ripped off by everybody. And I want to protect the American worker, the American farmer, the ranchers, the companies. And we're not being ripped off, you will see, in a little while. Speaking of that, We've come to a conclusion with Mexico. We have a wonderful deal for both parties. It was a very one-sided deal. Now it's a good deal for both parties. Very happy with it. Um, The new president had conversation, and it was uh, terrific. I think we're going to have a very good relationship. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, We want help on the border because we have the worst immigration laws in the history of mankind or womankind. We have horrible, horrible immigration laws, so we want help. But we've come to a conclusion with Mexico. Uh, Canada has taken advantage of our country for a long time. We love Canada. We love it. Love the people of Canada. But uh, they are in a position that's not a good position for Canada. They cannot continue to charge us 300 percent tariff on dairy products. And that's what they're doing. So this is a process. It takes a little time. The European Union wouldn't talk to us They wouldn't talk to President Obama, wouldn't even talk to him. And then I said, that's okay, you don't have to talk to me. Jean-Claude is a a tough man. He's a very good man. I like him, but he's tough. He's nasty. (laughs) The kind of guy I want negotiating for me. But he's a tough, tough cookie. And I said to him, we have to renegotiate the deal. He said, but Mr. President, we are very happy with the deal. We don't want to negotiate. I said, you may be happy with the deal, but I'm not happy with the deal. And he didn't want to renegotiate. And after three times, he still didn't want to renegotiate. I said, that's okay. We don't have to renegotiate any longer. We're going to put a tariff on all of the millions of cars you send into the United States. And honestly, he was in my office so quickly from Europe That I didn't know they had airplanes that flew that fast. I said, where did you find this plane? And we have the semblance of a deal. Because it's, to a large extent, economically all about cars. Cars is a very big factor. And they sent millions of BMWs and Mercedes into our country. So, uh, we are working on trade very hard. It's very important to me. It has been for 30 years. I've been saying for 30 years, Started with Japan. I talked about Japan. I was right. I talked about China. I was right. It's what I do. And and I like doing it, but I like doing it for the people, because our country has been abused and taken advantage of by virtually every country that it does business with. And we're just not letting that happen anymore. And that includes what I said previously about the military. Please.
5: President Duda, president Duda, welcome back to the U.S. Uh, as it relates to U.S.-EU relations, as the President mentioned, you are a proud Poland, is a proud member of the European Union. How would you describe U.S.-EU relations right now? Uh, did you talk about improving that relationship? Did you carry a special uh, message to the President from Mr. Juncker?
2: Uh, Sir, I would be very happy if it was uh, Poland, which would disrupt uh, the trade balance of the United States. I really would be happy if that was the case, because my understanding as far as uh, politics is concerned and caring for the matters of your country is similar to uh, the view of Mr. President Trump. Mr. Trump is saying America first and I'm saying Poland first. So we understand each other very well. And it is hard for me to be surprised with the fact that uh, Mr. President, being a very experienced, experienced. A man, a man of success uh, as far as business is concerned knows how to calculate. He knows how to calculate and I think nobody puts that in the question either in the US or in another place and he takes care of the United States. It lies in the interest of the country to have a balanced uh, uh, trade exchange and this is something that you have to take care of and of course there is a clash of interest. However, objectively looking, it is hard not to understand it. So there is always a competition of interest uh, and there is every kind of business is a competition of interest and I represent Polish interests, whereas President Trump represents American interests. The whole thing is as follows. On important matters, you have to strike an agreement to make sure that both countries win and lose as little as possible, and then we have an understanding, an agreement, and then we can say that we are cooperating with each other on equal level. Um, and I believe this is the kind of cooperation that Mr. President would like to have with the European Union, and it, it, it will be hard to be surprised with that. Um, I'm listening uh, calmly to that, and I would like Poland to be such a country, such an economic superpower that it would be um, a very important partner to the United States. I I said um, jokingly in the beginning that I wish it was Poland which disturbed the trade balance of the United States and our exports to the United States, but I do believe that our cooperation is going to develop well on partners-like principles.
0: The trade deal with South Korea has been fully renegotiated and is ready for signature we may sign it at the united nations or shortly thereafter uh, that was a terrible deal for the united states now it's a fair deal but that's been fully renegotiated in addition to mexico and some of the others that are very close thank you very much everybody we appreciate it thank you
1: thank you mr president
2: thank you
6: All right, and you're watching uh, live coverage of President Trump meeting with the Polish president there in the East Room at the White House, talked about the relationship with Poland, NATO, of course, even teased a potential Fort Trump. (laughs)
4: <laughs> uh, in Poland
6: at one point, that of course, if the polls will pay for it. <laughs> we talked a little bit about the war in Syria, Russia, uh, and some big news there with the President weighing in on the uh, on the news with uh, Judge Kavanaugh. So much to unpack a little bit. We're joined by Jack Date, our Justice Department reporter, the fabulous Koki Roberts, our, uh, our uh, ABC News contributors here. Uh, but let's kick off very quickly with John Carl, who is live uh, from the room. John, uh, some interesting developments there with the President. And Judge Kavanaugh, he says that um, he doesn't think the FBI should look into this any further.
7: He says that he's been told by the FBI that they don't do that sort of thing, that they don't want to do that kind of thing. Um, but uh, he wasn't directly asked why not order them to do so. Uh, he did point out that Kavanaugh has been through uh, six FBI background checks over the years. What's being asked here is for the FBI to take another look, reopen that last background check, and see if there uh, is anything that they can corroborate with these allegations. The president apparently is not going to make that order. What I thought was striking though, Devin, is that he repeatedly said how badly he feels for Judge Kavanaugh, how badly he feels for his wife, for his daughters. Um, he, he emphasized that over and over again. So he didn't directly answer the question of whether or not he finds these allegations to be credible. Uh, but based on, uh, the bulk of what he's saying, even as he is saying there should be a hearing here, uh, it sure sounds like we have a sense of exactly where the president stands on who he believes.
6: All right, John Carl, thank you so much for that. Let's bring it back here to Cokie Roberts. Koki, um, so much speculation about whether this hearing will happen today, uh, in Washington scheduled for next Monday. Um, It seems to me like the Republicans are shaping this up to be a do or die moment. Uh, The woman hasn't committed. President Trump even says he's willing to see it happen, Uh, but Democrats aren't eager to.
3: Well, the Democrats
6: want
8: to just string it out as long as they can. You know, there's an election coming up, in case you didn't notice (laughs) that. And um, they have hopes, uh, slim hopes, but hopes of taking the Senate. And they think if they can just keep this bouncing around for a while, that they have a better shot at a better nominee. I think those are very far-fetched views, but that's where they are. Um, I'm curious, though, so Jack, you you cover the Justice Department. president says the FBI doesn't do this. I thought that's exactly what the FBI does.
3: Well, so the FBI <laughs> conducts the background investigation. They conducted it in this case. They provided their findings to the White House, which is really the consumer of this background investigation. They're the ones making the appointment. And then this letter comes in on September 12th uh, uh, alleging this conduct from when when. Uh, Judge was in, in high school of going back to the '80s. Uh, at, at this point, their background investigation is done. They provided that information to the White House, and it's up to the White House to decide what they want the FBI to do at this point. It's not a criminal investigation. There's not a federal crime right. at, at, at play here, so they would need a predicate to investigate further uh, they don't have that, short of the White House requesting it. So when, when the President says uh, they don't do that. He's right, unless he asks them to, in which case they do do that. So it's really up to the White House. The ball's in their court.
6: And therein lies a little bit of hypocrisy. The president says he believes in a process. He doesn't want there to be uh, a hint of doubt, he said, about Judge Kavanaugh. So one would imagine that why don't you invoke the FBI to simply knock this down if it's not true? He, He seemed inclined to believe Judge Kavanaugh here. Um, what do you make of, of the woman, Koki who's come forward, um, not to put you on the spot to vet her claims, but um, so much talk uh, by the president, Republicans, about the timing of this, how unusual it is well, this late in the process. Well, they're going after the timing
8: because they don't want to go after the woman. Uh, and they've, they've learned a little bit A tiny bit they've learned over the years that going after a woman who is uh, complaining of assault is not the smartest thing to do if you want to get the women's vote. In the last uh, NPR Marist poll that came out this week, the president's approval rating among women was 28 percent. So they are in deep trouble with women and so they are trying to be very careful. Not to attack. Yeah, the
6: past her. few days, the president right. seemed very restrained oh, my and I very mean, you know, delicate. Took his away. But
8: the uh, <laughs> fact is that the, um, the, the, so the thing to do is to go after the Democrats and say the timing. But uh, the real question is whether the woman comes, does testify and her credibility. And that's what Senator Collins said yesterday. She said, I want to see her answer these questions and see how that goes, because that gives you a sense of whether somebody is really telling the truth or not. And,
6: and, and how is that going to be evaluated? On the Hill today, our team has been talking to senators on the committee and otherwise, and that seems to be the key question, if this woman uh... Christine Blasey Ford does testify how do you assess uh... her credibility in a he said she said situation? It's very
8: difficult. It's very, yeah. very difficult but prosecutors all claim they know how to do it and half that committee is prosecutors, Lord knows, they all talk about it. I was a prosecutor once and uh, and so we will see uh, how their prosecutorial skills uh, play out.
6: And Jack, uh, going back to the FBI, it seems that the Democrats are trying to, as Koki mentioned, sort of stall this potential hearing to give the chance for the, uh, for the FBI to potentially weigh in, maybe for the White House to have a change of heart. Will the FBI, could the FBI jump in on its own?
3: Uh, unlikely. They're, they're really trying to avoid uh, being dragged into the middle of this. They will do what uh, what the stakeholder, in this case, the White House, asks of them, but, but uh, nothing more. They're not going to go out on their own and, and, and try to make this case. And well, keep Even, in mind yeah. this
8: context. The president and the FBI are not exactly lovey-dovey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, they, they don't want to make it any worse for themselves.
6: Maybe he can call up Jeff Sessions and see if he'd do him a favor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we let you go, um, Koki, and it's great to have you with us today, uh, w- look into your crystal ball. You covered the um, Clarence Thomas hearings. Right. Of course, Anita Hill, very c- contentious, a lot of parallels being run. But what happens if she doesn't testify? What happens if this hearing doesn't not go forward, um, where do you see this going? What are some I, I of the, the possible she, outcomes?
8: I, I think that unless something else come, happens, unless somebody does come forward and say, I was at that party, or I, you know, or I too had an experience, or something like that, I think uh, the, the nomination goes forward. But uh, if we have the sh- spectacle, and it will be a spectacle, uh, of her and him testifying, almost anything could happen.
6: And that's set for uh, Monday at this point, although Christine Blasey Ford has not yet confirmed. So we'll see where that goes. A lot of time left between now and Monday. But thank you so much for watching us here on ABC News Live, coverage of the president. We'll be right back here uh, in the briefing room shortly for Jack Dote Cokie Roberts. I'm Devin Dwyer in Washington. We'll see you next time.